Hey everyone, welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast. I'm Jim Vivida, joined by Tom Jorgensen. Hello! And a very special guest who needs new introduction for me. Go ahead and say who you are. It's me, <laughs> Joshua, Joshua Yale, the guy who sits next to you at work every day. Our comics editor. I would say that on an audio-only podcast, he does need an introduction. <laughs> I actually have been on this program before, although I suppose it was called Keeping It Real. Yeah, you haven't it been was. on the reboot. Yeah, I think reboot. Eric Goldman was on, and yeah, it was another era, it was another time at it IGN. It was. A different, a different day, a different time. This is... Uh, uh, our new and improved show, I guess. Um, uh, we have several things to talk about this week. A lot of new trailers dropped uh, and a, some big comic book movie news because that's the kind of stuff we cover here at IGN. So let's start with um, the first of the big Super Bowl spots that dropped last weekend. Marvel's Avengers Infinity War dropped a Super Bowl spot. It was only 30 seconds long, but oh boy, there was some stuff crammed in there. Did you guys like it? I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I. I. It's nothing really. We didn't see in the first trailer. I didn't think overall. Uh, but it's. It's fun to see more. More looks at the movie. I really. I think my favorite shot in the trailer is probably the one of uh, Peter on that giant piece of machinery, like very high up. It was Peter on an airplane in Homecoming was seen as like, oh my God, he's going to die. It's so scary for this kid. And now he's in like space hanging onto the side (laughs) of a weapon of some kind. So yeah, I I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was really important to have a shot like that in in this movie because if that was like Captain America or Thor or Iron Man, they would look like a total badass up there. He takes his mask off. He is losing it, right? Mm. He's out of his depth. I think it's really important to have Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he, unlike the Avengers, is just like an every man, every guy, like like you or me with spider powers, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, what, it, Thor and Doctor Strange would be the only of the Earth, earthly, I don't know where to describe Thor as earthly, but of that group that have been to space, right? Oh, the and Hulk. Guardians. Well, Guardians, I'm saying like of these sort of the ones who kind of hang out on Earth mm-hmm. it would just be Hulk, Thor, and Doctor Strange who've actually been to space. Well, I suppose Iron Man, he went up into space to beat Ironmonger in the first one, right? Because the, the suits ah, froze. Yeah. But then he also went through the wormhole and was up there for a second. But yeah, I guess you wouldn't say he's like a Wait, space... When did he go through a wor- he he went, through a in, Avengers. in Avengers oh, that's to, right. to deliver the nuke, right? That's true. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, you're right. But he's not like a space-faring, comfortable yeah. in space. That wasn't space-faring. That was space That was more uh, NASA level, like <laughs> when you went around daring. the moon. Uh, the planets, yes. you know, uh, did the orbit around the planet kind of thing. Those guys were like, you know, hanging out. They they did overnights in space, basically. So um, I thought the spot was good, but some eagle-eyed fans think they saw something. I don't think they did. They think they saw Captain Marvel behind Captain America in in the trailer. Um have you guys heard about this rumor? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I see what people are saying is that if you look kind of between, it's like between Captain America's under his arm or something. If you look, you see blue, gold, and red, and it's like, oh, that's Captain Marvel's outfit. Um, even though the set photo we saw, the leaked set photo, it's it's uh, black, gray, and green, which is like her Kree colors. Um, and so I, I hate from to- From the Captain Marvel movie, not yeah. from Avengers. Well, actually, we're not sure what that's from. It, do we, I don't because there were because... a few days before, there were photos of uh, Nick Fury and Maria Hill, uh, Kobe Smulders, Sam Jackson on on set. 
So maybe they were. Falling. I can't see that being and, like a bookend or something yeah. like that. Well, the thing is that yeah, in the in those photos that you're talking about there, Jim, is that Nick Fury had the eye patch, which yeah. means in 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 the Captain Marvel movie, what we've heard is that he's gonna have two eyes, and then we'll, maybe yeah. we'll find out there how he lost his eye. Yeah, I, I picture it probably being kind of like a uh, sort of like the end of. Um, Captain America, First Avenger, where they're running through the right. street and he comes yeah. up, that kind of thing. Yeah, but so so just I would I hate to squash everybody's excitement, but <laughs> that is one hundred percent not Captain. It's Wanda. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's totally it's Wanda. Totally, it's, it's Wanda. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like how her hair and the lighting and and her red costume and she, yeah, who else would be standing right next to Vision? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, like you know, Captain Marvel's hair isn't going to be that long. You know, it's like yeah. it's, she she has uh, like the Rachel from Friends hairdo. It's yeah. Well, I mean, that would be fitting. It is a '90s movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, and we we mentioned this on a previous podcast. Um, uh, Terry and I have seen the concept art. Well, it was also shown at Comic Con, so I guess a lot of you folks have seen it. But she will have the the black, blue, red, goldish thing outfit like her traditional outfit yeah yeah um but uh yeah so sorry about that uh fan theorizers that's not we're pretty we're i'm i'm on board it's not captain marvel no it's not uh let's move on from infinity war super bowl spot let's jump to uh i'm trying to follow my own The big news i think the biggest news of the super bowl netflix we now tom you and i already talked about the possibility of netflix getting cloverfield Three back when we thought maybe it was Cloverfield Station or the God Particle. Uh, not only did those a-holes drop an announcement on us right during the Super Bowl that uh, it's Cloverfield, the Cloverfield Paradox, and that the Super Bowl spot is up next. They dropped the damn movie right after the game, and we all watched it. W- one, what did you think of that marketing strategy? And then what did you guys think of the movie? So let's start with the the first part first as a ploy as a marketing ploy dropping that movie right after the super bowl what'd you think was uh, that a smart idea i thought that was a very very smart idea it was i mean certainly when me and my friends were watching the super bowl when that trailer played and it said you know coming very very soon and obviously there are some reports online earlier in the day being like that's the plan we were all like oh well we know what we're doing exactly when the game ends and uh and i think that was the story for a lot of people and for a movie that it was very uh it was very clear that Paramount wasn't sure what they had on their hands or what to do with it necessarily in terms of the quality, which we will get to in a moment. Um, I think it's the smartest possible thing they could have done to drum up that interest and that sort of, it had that kind of it factor, like, oh, everybody's going to be watching it after the game, so we've got to watch it too. Um, It was really, I think, a smart play on their part. It was was pretty brilliant. And I will say, look, I was being tongue-in-cheek and facetious when I said a-holes. I was just joking. Don't get upset. Uh, Joshua, what did you think of that ploy? Yeah, I think you guys are right that, yeah, it was brilliant to, like, capture that excitement. And it's a movie that, or a movie series, right, that has always had that kind of, like, kind of viral marketing and lots of hype. And there's, it's like a, it's a mystery box as well. No one really knows what's going on or how these movies are connected. So you have all all of that, and then you're dropping it and instantly making it available to people. Of course, it was going to go the way it did. But it turns out the movie, at least <laughs> for me, and I know a lot of people uh, who, who've talked about it online and such, did not like it. So it was actually pretty brilliant to get this subpar movie out there and make everyone think it was a yeah. huge deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our, our uh, freelancer, William Bibiani, did uh, a great column for us about sort of 
that genius move that they took what would have been a direct-to-video sequel from back in the day, eventized it, and more people were talking about that third Cloverfield movie as a result of that than they would have if it had been released traditionally and basically flopped opening weekend because that was what their their tracking was suggesting was they knew they didn't have a, a good movie. They also knew, you know, the second Cloverfield movie made significantly less internationally than the first one did. So they were, and I'm of the opinion, you, you couldn't release Cloverfield Paradox in China because I don't think it would pass. There are certain things about the film that I don't think their censors would approve. Um, like, you know, you can't do time travel or ghosts or anything in in uh, in Chinese releases. So what I'm not sure. about arms moving independently from their bodies? Well, <laughs> that probably is okay. But I think, I wonder like what they would have thought of like parallel dimensions because isn't that kind of changing history? Yeah, like, yeah I, I, I just know. can't see a way for that movie and needing China to help recoup your your money. Like, and Netflix doesn't really have any like... Um, footing in china they're trying so it's not really like there's nothing for them to lose by taking on a movie that's bad yeah and it and it it also yeah and you mentioned this earlier but it does keep in line with that series sort of uh joshua maybe you said this actually yeah Yeah, joshua uh the fact that they have always sort of been at the forefront of release strategy and doing like even 10 cloverfield lane even though it did have a traditional release they didn't they didn't give us any information about it until like a month or two before the movie came (laughs) out it was completely under wraps nobody knew anything about it oh i'm sorry oh no no so i'm just saying that i i just think it's very in keeping with their sort of strategy that they've developed to be unpredictable so and and we have all been so trained to exp- to expect the unexpected from them that I remember this was a few years ago before 10, Ten Cloverfield Lane uh, was even made um, that people started seeing these ads at bus stops and, and then they started appearing online of the Statue of Liberty being rebuilt with scaffolding and, and it was like a greenish sky behind them. Everyone's like, they're dropping viral marketing for Cloverfield too because, you know, remember the first poster was the oh, yeah. beheaded yes. Statue of Liberty. No, it was a documentary for like uh, National Geographic about the story of America. And it goes to show we were all so trained, like they're so sneaky and so brilliant. This is how they're... And it wasn't. That movie was still like three years away. But... Um, uh, but I will say too, like uh, just to, and Tom, you and I kind of talked about this a little bit last time. Um, you know, Cloverfield Paradox wasn't made to be a Cloverfield movie. It was something. It was uh, a different film, and they kind of went back, rejiggered it, and slapped the Cloverfield label on there. Um, and they have another one coming up. It was shot under the I think it was Overlord. Called Overlord, yeah. yeah. And it's like a science fiction World War II movie. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be Cloverfield Four now. Um, how do you, we assume. We assume. Uh, uh, do you guys want to talk spoilers at all or no? I do have one lightly spoilerish thing to say, but I don't think we need to go into deep detail to, okay. to not so we don't spoil so it for everyone else. So if you guys haven't watched the movie yet, just skip, skip ahead, ahead like about, five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but, go but ahead. Yeah, I won't say anything too spoilery. I, that, my thing actually comes in the first like 15 minutes is, so the uh, <laughs> um, the the trailer for Cloverfield Paradox says, it says 10 years ago something uh, something appeared, 
And then it says, find out why. And the Cloverfield Paradox. So I, I'm in this movie, like, watching it the whole time, waiting for the explanation for where the monsters came from, right? Never comes, really. In the first 15 minutes, Donald Lowe uh, has a cameo where he, in the most, you know, uh, just weird way possible, he's being interviewed on a TV show because he's a crackpot uh, theorist, uh, explains that, yeah, if if they turn on this uh, you know what? What is a particle accelerator in space? It'll open up dimensions and cause all these problems uh, and portals, and demons will come through. And then the rest of the movie is just about what happens with two parallel realities smushed together. And they never go back to the monsters or anything, and you know the demon part of it. And I thought that was like a cop out. Like that was that was like false advertising. I guess technically we do know what caused the monsters to come through. It was the fact that this particle cell accelerator was turned on. But I w- I didn't feel satisfied at all by that little little thing and it felt like something that was very much like you were saying jim just they were like oh here's the movie where can we tack on a cloverfield explanation they had just him shoot that you know in a sound booth and uh, and obviously some of the b story in the movie with the uh the uh michael i think his name is on earth we get a little bit of a look on the ground but it's so it's so sort of removed from you never like see the monsters really you know until that very last around, yeah course. that last yeah, shot yeah, yeah. but uh, you also wonder okay so what year is this movie supposed to be is it supposed to be 2008 or was the first cloverfield supposed to be 2018 well have like, you guys seen the, there's a really interesting graph uh, circulating, which is a sentence that just doesn't sound right when I say it. Oh, cool graph! Um, but there is a graph going around that explains or posits a theory as to what's happening as far as that goes. And again, like we're we're at this point, we're talking kind of what happens in Cloverfield Paradox. So do leave if you, if you don't want. <laughs> Come any back in another five. I tried, you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so the theory is that the the Cloverfield or the particle accelerator event, whatever you want to call it. Um, basically deposits clovers throughout the sort of multiverse or whatever, or f- throughout different timelines or whatever. So even though every... clovers the monsters, yes, Is that what yeah, called? that's the kind of like, oh, colloquial name okay. for them. So, uh, so the idea is that Cloverfield, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Cloverfield Paradox, and eventually when we get it, Overlord, the fourth Cloverfield movie that we think is coming at the end of the year, um. These do all take place in separate realities. The only thing they have in common is that when the paradox happens, the Cloverfield Paradox event happens, that rips reality and that deposits those monsters into each of these different realities. But but in a weird way, they are all kind of connected because they're essentially alternate Earths where that same character but a different version of them could exist in exactly. that world. Well, because that's where the 10 Cloverfield Lane lady that cameos in this one she was like the reporter interviewing donald logue oh yeah is the woman who runs up to the truck or something oh, there, okay or outside there's something that that lady the one who died, Lane. yeah the and, one who dies outside the door I and think. even more than that uh a more clear connection also in that scene is that donald logue's character's last name is stambler which is also uh, John Goodman's last name in Ten Cloverfield Lane. So interesting. So it's like the idea is like there is always a Stambler being a kook in every Cloverfield <laughs> movie. I Wait, guess. is there a Stambler in the first one? Uh, not that we know of. They uh, could totally, but yeah, you could always that, say yeah. like, yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, now, basically, though, I thought in the first one the the clover, the monster, came from the ocean. 
Well, I think it was always it's got a very pack rim thing going on now, where there's going to be like that breach in the ocean, and yeah, that's how they yeah, came yeah. up from another dimension. You're like, I've seen that movie. In well, fact, there's a sequel coming in like they, a few weeks. I think they say I don't think they ever explicitly know. I think they theorize that it came up from the ocean, but I, you know, we're restricted to the point yeah. of view of. Uh, you know, Rob and his friends. So they're just guessing at right. what could be happening. Um, and that's so, yeah, supposed it is... to be a baby, right? Didn't you tell me that, Joshua? Because that would explain why at the end of Cloverfield Paradox, that thing is huge. If it's breaking the cloud barrier, that's way bigger than the one we see in the first Cloverfield. Yeah, I think, I mean, it could be a baby. It could also be, it could also just be, you know, sort of their cousins or something like that. Because, <laughs> yeah, in the Cloverfield, the first movie, we just got one, but... Uh, Michael was saying in Cloverfield Paradox, like, don't don't let her come down here. Th- these things are here, and yeah. meaning there's more than yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was the mommy, yeah, that we saw. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, well, we want to know uh, what you guys think about Cloverfield and this uh, whole Netflix deal and dropping the thing during the Super Bowl. Did you enjoy the movie? I do just want to add one thing about Cloverfield Paradox before we move on, and that's that, yes, the, the reaction to it has been very middling and sort of, you know, no one's really coming out and saying Cloverfield Paradox is a great movie i will say this two people on twitter did to me okay well those two people are entitled to their opinion but i'll say this i have talked more about the cloverfield paradox in the last like five days than i have about like other than the last jedi it's the movie that i've talked about the most so there's something to be said about that you and i talked about this uh uh i was gonna say off screen but you know like yeah off off pod yeah um you know you you were like oh, I want to watch it again to to see how I, if I if my feelings change about it and and I asked uh, you know if this thing wasn't called Cloverfield would you give it another chance I think it's that we have become so invested in brands and series and the shared universes that we're giving things uh, the benefit of the doubt that otherwise don't really deserve it if that thing was just God particle. Nobody would be talking about it. So I think it was that one-two punch of, one, the marketing ploy, and two, the fact that it's, oh, it's part of this bigger thing. So we are kind of conditioned, especially here at IGN, to like, oh, well, you know, I'll give it another try. Um, Real quick, if they pull the same thing with Cloverfield 4 and just drop it on us, do you think that trick will work twice? I don't think no, I don't think it would. And uh and and kind of getting back to your first point, yes, I I am giving Cloverfield Paradox a lot more sort of lenience because I am a huge fan of the franchise, but I think we do that with any yeah. sort of property that we really love. We find reasons to to love it even there are people that love the Star Wars prequels just because they're Star Wars. And you know what? Like that's that's okay. But uh, back to your point, I think there. I think somebody asked JJ this week. You know, is Cloverfield? I think the idea is that Cloverfield Four is still planning on going to theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, so we already know it's a better movie. Yeah, we're, right. Yeah, we're back in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't think they can necessarily repeat this exact sort of magic again. But that's not what Cloverfield's really about to me in terms of their release strategy. It's about innovating and finding new ways yeah. to sort of uh, generate interest. It's almost it. They're sort of a masterclass in in sort of marketing and yeah. finding new ways to sort of get people to go see your movie. Because, I mean, that was a good trailer, um, and it definitely got me excited for a movie that I was going to see in three hours. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, well, let's move on from Cloverfield uh, and talk about an, uh, our first look at Solo, A Star Wars Story. That trailer, we had a Super Bowl spot, which was different footage 
from the trailer that dropped the next day. I got to say, in some ways, there were parts of the Super Bowl spot I think I liked more than the trailer. But um, what did you guys think of the whole shebang? Joshua, let's start with you. Well, the things I like about Star Wars are the Force, lightsabers, Jedi, Sith, and none of that. <laughs> is in this movie in this in this in any of these trailers tv spots uh so i and i know people love han solo he's never been one of my favorite characters uh so this movie had a lot of like you know the work to do to get me on board i'm gonna go see it either way because it's a star wars movie <laughs> and i work here at yeah, they, know that. <laughs> yeah, they, know that. they already got my money uh <laughs> but but i was not like oh my gosh this is so cool yeah. if anything it made me mad at han solo because it's like look how clean the millennium falcon was before you got your grubby <laughs> hands on it <laughs> all right what about you tom what you like? um i what I was looking for for the first solo from the first solo trailer was to not be worried that it was going to be a disaster. And we've heard reports that like Alden Ehrenreich had to get acting coaches and stuff, and obviously the shakeup with Lord Miller and and Ron. You know what he really needs though is a is a better wig. That's his real hair. That's his hair. What? Yeah. Oh my Ooh. gosh! That out, dude. That, his hair. Shade. His hair looks like a bad wig. Then he Ouch. needs. He needs a better comb. Although I think they maybe were going some, for early. Well, maybe some of the. Well, no, they weren't really reshoots because they fired them mid-production. So that is his hair, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's his hair. Um, yeah, no, I think that I was looking for uh, just to, to kind of get an idea of the tone. And, and it is sort of this kind of grimy, like, underworld feel to it. And I like yeah. criminal underworld feel. Not the uh, Kate Beckinsale movie. <laughs> that would be a very different solo movie. Um, so, yeah, I... I Alden Ehrenreich was fine. He didn't do anything in the trailer that made me go like, oh, th- he's going to be awful. Like that, the part at the end of the the official trailer that released the day yeah. after the Super Bowl one where he's like, everything looked like it was going to be bad, but it was fine. We're fine. Yeah, like that was very, yeah, very silly and funny. And he, oh, yeah, true. Um, so yeah, I was looking to not be horrified by what I saw and I wasn't, I'm like, you know what? I'm benefit of the doubt. You guys, I, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe, maybe the acting coach stuff, because I've seen him act in other things and he's fine. He was he's great. He's good in Hail Season. Yeah. He's, and I saw him in a movie. The first time I met him, I inter- uh, in- interviewed him like 10 years ago for this Coppola movie called Tetro. And he was fine in that. Like, yeah. I, I think maybe the acting coach stuff was to try and can you be a little more like Harrison Ford? Yeah. Like try and like find that sort of nuance of the yeah. pacing. Because he's got a Harrison Ford, especially when you watch the first Star Wars, he's got a lot more of a laconic kind of vibe to him. And he's got a bit more, I don't know, maybe he was stone making. It was the 70s. But he had a much, like the Han Solo in that movie to the Han Solo in Jedi to the one in Force Awakens, like you watch that first movie, he's he's an a hole in that movie. Like he is like a scoundrel. And he's yeah, and it really is. And he had, just has that different vibe. And this guy, and uh, and Solo is one. I'm uh, you know I, I never read a lot of the EU stuff or anything like that. I am curious about the whole Han trying to join the Empire thing. I mean, I get it. You probably just need a job, um, but. Well, that's it's that has kind of precedent, like... though, because doesn't in and I could be screwing up my Star Wars canon here, so <laughs> please forgive me. But in in New Hope, when Luke is talking about going and joining the Academy, he's not talking about the Alliance; he's talking about the Imperial <laughs> is, yeah. Academy. Yeah, that's so true. that is completely that's, that's that tracks. So these with guys what we really now. didn't have. Well, what's their moral compass then? 
Well, they just want to learn to fly. You don't have like flight instructors. I in mean, any of these I places? would say that in Luke's case, when your entire upbringing is in a desert, you'll do anything to get out. <laughs> so uh, that's understandable to me. Yeah, I, I don't think Luke actually knew of what was going on and what the sides were in the war. And yeah. I feel like he just thought of the Empire is a way, yeah, a means to 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 get out. And then his first vision or first, you know, lesson of what the Empire actually does is when he finds the burned corpses of his only two living uh, relatives on Tatooine. That he knows of. Yes. That's, that on is Tatooine. a harsh... Caught myself there. Yeah. <laughs> um, what but but you... I'll say also that Han Solo knew that the, the how the Empire handles their trash and how they they, they uh, let it... Uh, That's they, true. Oh, they jettison it before jumping yes. to hyperdrive. Do you yeah. think they'll do, oh, address totally. that in the movie? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah there'll be that. Cool. The gold dice will be in there. Oh, yeah. they are. They, they are. They you can see them. them. Yeah. Yeah, and his land speeder. So yeah, I, I, what if he joins the... Uh, Empire thinking he's going to learn to be a pilot and instead he's the trash guy. Oh, that would also make him kind of why he bonds with uh, Finn. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was the sanitation guy. How about that? Yeah. It's like, I I am looking forward to it. It it almost seems like Star Wars is starting to take this sort of Pixar approach to their movies where they hide little clues that will only become relevant when you see the next one. So, like, obviously, Last Jedi and Joshua did a whole video on it that was very good. The, The gold dice plays sort of a role, and now we see the in solo so i'm interested to see same with the uh, kyber crystals like i think i mm. we saw a kyber crystal in last jedi right didn't luke have one yeah he did he had like an ancient sith like relic yeah. uh, hanging in his hut Intra- so, and kyber crystals yeah. are introduced in rogue one yeah. as far as like in the movies go so i'm wondering what in solo is going to be introduced that we end up seeing in, in episode, episode nine. Oh wait let me correct myself Ooh, it was a jedi crusader pendant which actually is linked to revan from the night Shield republic game just Ooh, just tossing that out you. there. Oh, thank you dropping for that. the knowledge. History. It's what you get here when you get Joshua Yale <laughs> yes, on the Idea and Movies Wars. podcast. Um, wh- uh, one more thing about Solo before we move on to more Star Wars stuff. But um, any theories on Amelia Clark's character? Because she's wearing this outfit at one point. Is she a crime boss or is she an imperial character? Uh, do we think like she's the girlfriend that kind of breaks bad or... They just undercover because we know that Woody Harrelson's character is like putting a crew together. It'd be kind of great if she ended up being the villain, huh? Wouldn't it? Yeah. Like she's great. Like she would be very, like she and did. she rocks a cape. She yeah. does rock mm-hmm. a cape. Yeah. She, yeah. I th- well, I think maybe her story might be that she's some sort of, uh, you know, princess from a, the an old regime and then she's being married off to these sort of, uh, you know, off the grid people. And then she finds three space eggs uh, that have uh, that have uh, space dragons in them. If only there were some guys coming to the Star Wars universe that had experience with that kind of story. You know, guys, I'm really proud of y'all because I'm usually the Segway guy. <laughs> and I just, it's like the torch has been passed to a new generation. <laughs> this is great. So let's just dive into that because I don't want to ruin this Segway. Uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, the showrunners on Game of Thrones, were officially announced this week as uh, being writers and producers on a whole new series of Star Wars films. This is not the Skywalker saga, and this is not a replacement to Ryan Johnson's other separately recently announced trilogy of Star Wars movies. Guys, what do you think of those two particular fellows? Well, obviously, they did uh, such an amazing thing for for fantasy, right, with Game of Thrones and elevated it to insane levels that's still hard to quantify because we're still, like, in the middle of it, right? 
uh, or I guess towards the end of it. But uh, yeah, this is like a, it made it, uh, Game of Thrones a cultural phenomenon. For, it, you know, uh, I thought you know after Lord of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, and Harry Potter, there would never be something of fantasy of that caliber, and yet here we are. Uh, so the idea of them coming to Star Wars and doing that, like that sort of magic w- with Star Wars and making it, you know, more accessible, maybe a little more adult, uh, exciting, lots of intrigue, uh, getting some really good performances out of people. Like they have great uh, you know, eye for casting. I think that's all very exciting. <sighs> but I do have to say <laughs> that uh, a couple things about how they've handled Game of Thrones has uh, me worried a little bit because ever since they went uh, post book, like, because, you know, only the first, what, five or so seasons were adapted from the actual Game of Thrones book. After they started, uh, stopped pulling from those, I think the show has taken a, a dip in quality. I still think, still think it's a really entertaining show. But especially this last season, I thought it was, the, it was just not up to par with the rest of Game of Thrones. And I've been pretty disappointed. Um, and so, because they don't have that rich, like, George R.R. R. Martin dialogue to adapt and pull from. And, all, and his really, like, intricately wound plots and stuff. They're kind of doing their own thing. So I kind of worry about their sense of story and how if they're doing their own thing for Star Wars um, that might be a bad thing uh, if they're paired with some really good writers could be a really good thing yeah. um, and also I just have to like say that like their treatment of female characters in Game of Thrones isn't exactly glowing they had uh, more than one post uh, George R.R. Martin no even like even... in the beginning they uh, 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 Danny was was raped by Cal Drogo in the show where she was not in the book and oh. then of course Sansa was raped uh, by Ramsay later on where that that was not her in the book either so it's the idea that they need to do this to their female yeah. characters makes me be like I don't think we'll be getting another like Princess Leia from these guys yeah I, I mean I I definitely hope that Kathleen Kennedy and Kiri Hart over there in the Lucasfilm story group will keep their more base uh, sort of uh, I don't want to say instincts, but their sort of ch- their choices in check and not do that uh, and then we also uh, you know, I mean, Laura and I, Laura Prudhomme, our TV executive editor, and I did a conversation this week um, about sort of, you know, this, the latest bunch of, uh, uh, the latest Star Wars creatives hiring more white dudes. Um, what do you guys think of that? I, again, I have a whole video talking about it, but, um, you know, a, a lot of people are disappointed that, you know, still no women being hired in key creative roles, even though, again, as I just mentioned, Kathleen Kennedy runs Lucasfilm. Carrie Hart is one of their senior, you know, I, I, I don't know her actual title, but she's one of the key story group people. Um, but they're not, uh, obviously, the screenwriters or the directors. So uh, thoughts on, all, on that? Could they have just gone maybe a different direction this one time? Yeah, uh, of course they could. And, and I think people are starting to get a little fed up with them like we get it we get it you you guys like working with white men like let's let's bring some other voices in um and obviously uh dan uh weiss and benioff are very talented but yeah i i think just because we're getting something good in uh in those two coming to the universe doesn't mean we can't get something better by bringing these more diverse voices in so i think i think we got to start kind of holding them to task for that a little more you know i i'm gonna I'm going to go for some puns here because and, and tell you a little bit about how we tried to come up with headlines. We, we had a freelancer submitted a piece the other day talking about the diversity issue with Star Wars and, and their hiring of filmmakers. And we were trying to come up with a headline for it because she didn't include one um, or it was a little too wonky or whatever. But uh, so we wanted something succinct. And I was like, uh, 
Star Wars colon something like No More White Men, W-I-G-H-T, which was a Game of Thrones reference. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. I'm getting a look of just utter and complete We get disgrace. it. We get it. You love your puns. <laughs> but come Guys, on. I have to sit next to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, when, when you... Uh, when you, ha- when you need a clever headline and you know, a strapline for your piece, it comes in handy. But sometimes it's just like a machine you can't turn off and you exactly. just start spouting them <laughs> once is. inspiration strikes. Hey, let me tell you, it's, it's, uh, I did. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. I'm not. I think we can leave it at this. It. Hey, uh, Lucasfilm, start start <laughs> shaking it up a little bit with who you're hiring. Yeah, that's let's let's see some new people in here. And well, I, I, can I say my favorite Jim uh, pun is oh, that I, I, we were trying to come up with the like the little punchline, the strapline for my Wonder Woman review, which I really really liked. And he's like, I got it. Amazon delivers, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, yeah. that was a good Every one. Now so and good." Look, I didn't say I didn't say they were good, but they will be plentiful. <laughs> but they will be hand. there. Yes. Uh, let's move on to some of the 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 big um, comic book movie news that dropped this week, because uh, Lord knows there was plenty of it. Um, let's start with some of the 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 trailers actually that dropped first. Uh, we first got. I'm losing my my spacing here. I'm sorry. Venom. Venom. We got a first look at Venom this week. Did we? And that's see, that's the thing. We didn't really. Tom, why don't you fill people in on 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 this in case they haven't seen the trailer yet? Well, uh, not to spoil the trailer, but you know that Venom movie coming out. Venom's not in the trailer for it, and <laughs> people are not happy about that. You do see the symbiote, but you, you don't do. actually see the Venom creature i guess well they only they only stopped shooting what 30 minutes ago so it's not surprising that we don't see the finished venom effect i'm pretty sure one of the shots was something that like you actually had people on the streets of san francisco recording and like posting to social media uh, seriously like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's um you reminded me a little bit of the very first batman movie trailer where it was basically an assemblage of of uh, rushes and dailies, except this one, of course, had voiceover. But you know, there were no real visual effect shots mm-hmm. in it. Um, uh, you know, it was really more about sort of the psychological, I guess, kind of. Yeah, I mean, being Venom. There was a know. very clearly unfit. Like I, I think we sort of landed on a very unfinished visual effect shot. That shot of like the sort of computer monitors all being thrown yeah. to one side. Like that looks that like office something's thing. gonna yeah. be put in there. So yeah, very clearly, just like it felt like they just wanted to get it out there and get going on the marketing for it. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was clearly a bad idea to drop this teaser trailer, especially with like. The Deadpool 2 teaser and oh, yeah. the, the Inven- Avengers Infinity War. And yeah, I'm sure that I miss, I'm missing one or two others. Uh, but yeah, there's so a, a, couple, a few other big you know movies this year made a great showing with their trailers. They're like, we're going to do ours too. Ended up being a bad idea. That said... I am, feel like I am the one person who actually liked the trailer. I didn't. I wouldn't say I loved it. And it was like the best thing ever. But I was like into it, and I'm like I was fine with not seeing Venom. We saw. I don't the, hate that we did. Like we saw Venom. the pulsing, writhing, uh, you know, gooey uh, symbiote in the canister. I'm like, cool, that's awesome. And then it's, it was more of like a tone trailer. Uh, with a bunch of shots of him running around to random places, uh, of him talking about what trauma does to you and how it changes you, and it, you have to like deal with your your demons, right? And I thought that that is a hearing Tom Hardy do that, the kind of deep, awesome monologue about what it kind of the, the underlying philosophy of what this Venom movie is going to be. 
that was pretty cool. I was like, that's probably better than I think we, we deserve for a Venom movie. Uh, I don't really know, you know, what the final product's going to look like, but I actually had a really positive first impression with this. I felt I felt this kind of like stands alone as an idea without Spider-Man. I don't know how they're going to do that still, but uh, it had me it had me more confident in the movie than I than I was before. I will say I just want to address sort of the um, possibly the marketing approach and why they did that. Um, thinking back to the first Green Lantern, uh, well, the only Green Lantern movie so far. Um, why you got to do that, Jim? I know. <laughs> why got to be um, like that? But if you guys remember, they released uh, footage at at Comic Con, and they show. I, I should say they showed footage at Comic Con that had no visual effects in there, and that upset people because they're like. I want to see a Green Lantern movie that it's isn't just about constructs. a guy in his, you know, uh, you know, just walking around in his street clothes and all that. There was no real kind of comic booky element to it. And then when they did release the first image of him, it was a still to be finished shot, a very digital shot of Ryan Reynolds in the suit, and that didn't go over well. So I think. They're probably they probably have that kind of going through their heads of like how do we avoid both of those and in a weird way they ended up kind of doing the same making the same mistakes but I didn't dislike the trailer I was just sort of ambivalent to it but I get why they're releasing it now they're piggybacking off of Black Panther's release it'll be in front of uh, playing in front of one of the biggest movies this year certainly the biggest release of this half of the year. Um, and so why not ride somebody else's money train to, to get some eyeballs? And we should just point out this is not an MCU production per se. It's 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 weird. But yeah, I but I think that we also need to accept for the fact that at the end of the day, like if we get a Tom Holland cameo, I don't think anyone's going to be like yeah. extremely surprised. And right. if we get a Tom Holland cameo, it's an MCU movie. Yeah. Like, well, it is as an, and it isn't. I don't think Venom will ever, you know, uh, be seen alongside like Iron Man or the Avengers. I I think it's it's really weird how they're doing it, but I think you know Sony's wants to make their own cinematic universe around Spider-Man characters, and Tom Holland is probably going to exist in both. But those t- like other it's. Aside from Tom Holland, the two will never meet. From what I understand. Do you think it'll just be like, there'll be like news footage on the TV of like, and then Spider-Man flew, you know. But even if they do that, it means that Iron Man exists in the world and it means that everything What if they only cut to Andrew Garfield footage? Oh my god! That <laughs> Completely would be separate reality, that and then Toby, uh, yeah. and then it's the Spider Verse. Yeah. yeah, Miles Morales gets in there, and his animated form. It'd be great. Oh my god! What? Yeah. What if this is actually taking place in the Toby Maguire Spider Man <laughs> that like the symbiote like escaped or whatever? And yeah. there's more, and because I mean, Venom already exists in Spider Man Three, so maybe That's it's the true. same sort of. Yeah, and then it goes and finds another person named Eddie Brock who's not played by Topher Grace. Yeah, what if he yeah, just, he just the Eddie other Brocks. guys yeah that's just, just going thing. down yeah. through the phone book and you're like, okay, who's the yeah, next yeah, one Brock, i mean i'm a little curious about mac gargans but I, i'm <laughs> really most curious in eddie brocks um and i will say this uh, for those people who are saying like oh, a teaser that doesn't show anything the first <laughs> teaser for the dark knight was literally just like a dark image and then yeah. the back the bat symbol like lights up and then breaks just apart audio, yeah. yeah and you're hearing just you know christian bale and but you did uh, hear michael Kane. voice laughing. yeah and you do hear that at the end man but word. i mean at the <sighs> end of the venom trailer you get the the venom comics accurate logo and comics accurate eyes and face yep. i don't know so i don't know people are compl- it's you know yeah it's, it's the internet they complain yeah. i mean I, i'm ambivalent to the trailer I didn't hate it. I just, 
I think I'm just sort of, I don't know, I feel like there's something, and it's kind of an overarching part of what we're getting into now between like Deadpool, Cable, Venom, and then we'll talk about this guy in a minute, Lobo. These sort of 90s anti-hero slash villains that I just don't know if they're necessarily the strongest characters to, like I liked the first Deadpool movie, but um, I am curious to see if Deadpool 2 can kind of recapture that. I think it's got, in some ways, a stronger director. It's one of the guys who did John Wick directing it. And I think as an action film, it'll be kick-ass. But I do wonder, will what was charming and almost kind of adorable in the first one just be sort of trying way too hard this time? I'm a little, well, uh, sort of as we start, sort of, do we want to start moving into yeah, let's Deadpool segue, 2? Yeah, let's thoughts? segue into the Deadpool 2 trailer. So, yeah, obviously we got a new Deadpool 2 trailer this week, which I think was a much, much stronger trailer than the Venom trailer. <laughs> uh, I will say, though, that I've, I'm still a little wary of David Leitch doing this because I saw Atomic Blonde this summer, this past summer, I'm not very impressed like there's some good action beats but other than that it's pretty you know pretty mediocre so i i think the jury's sort of out on that but you know what we saw was very uh very fun letting sort of ryan reynolds do his thing the whole toy story thing i was like in pieces over what what kind of commentary is that on disney though Uh, you know because now we should just remind you guys deadpool 2 is a fox movie fox is getting bought by disney it's not a done deal yet but I don't think it's any accident that they have this, you know, beloved Disney character of Woody, of him dressed up as Woody, shoving his crotch in Cable's face. I feel like that. His stones, his infinity stones for Thanos. Oh, nice. Thanos, guys. Hey, guys. He really does sit next to me. Yes. um, (laughs) But, you know, I I feel like there was definitely some none too subtle commentary in that. Yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, that's fun. Did you guys Uh, like the trailer, though? It was hilarious. Yeah. I watched it uh, multiple times and just had this big, stupid grin on my face. Not normal, not different from my normal face, but uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. It was really strong. It kind of did the thing where it showed you Cable being like an awesome badass and like totally dialed up to eleven, like his gun goes right with the '90s extreme stuff. Uh, yet it also wasn't afraid to have fun with it. Where they do the pause thing, You're like, oh come on, what's with the arm? You yeah, still the digital the- mustache yeah. removal. Oh yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> great. That was hilarious. So yeah, and yeah, it just I, I I do feel like confident about the movie because if if it's making us laugh and it has it has all these like little things in there that looks like they're gonna be really cool and really fun. I don't know who the character is with fire powers who's like flipping the bird. Uh, but I'm like really interested to get to know that character. Um, and there's also there's that shot of the the back of like a plane opening, and it's it's Deadpool with a whole team of other super powered characters. One of them looks like Shatterstar in the background yeah. with Terry like Cruz. Oh, and too. Terry Cruz as well. Yeah. Everyone's like really excited to try to figure out who he's gonna be. So it's it's really really cool. Do we think Julian Dennison's character? That's the kid flipping them. Oh up. yeah, do, yeah. Do we think he's a um, pyro? I don't think he's pyro, but there's like. A million characters in the Marvel Universe who have some sort of fire-based power, so we'll just have to wait and see who he ends yeah. up being. I, I mean, I loved, uh, I love Josh Brolin. Anyways, I think he's an awesome actor. Um, but uh, I, I gotta say, I really, I like him as Cable. I, I, he's kind of keeping me more interested in this movie than the Deadpool of it all, which is kind of weird to say because I, I know how much everyone loves Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds as it. Um, but I, I, I like that he's he can be very funny. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, like yeah. I've interviewed him too. Like he's funny in person, and I think. I think they're going to have some really great kind of um, uh, interplay there. So I'm, that's the thing keeping me invested in the movie right now. I, I just hope that it can live up to its its promise. Yeah, I will say this, and I'll, I'm swinging back to my sort of sweet leech slamming from a little earlier. I will say <laughs> that um, while obviously a director is very important to the tone of the movie, they're the sort of shepherd of it, Ryan Reynolds does have like a lot of say into how these oh, movies yeah. have kind of come about. So him being on set and being the sort of shepherd of this character, that does make me sort of go like, whoever's directing is sort of just kind of making sure all the technical stuff is happening. I think Ryan Reynolds has a lot of influence over the sort of story and sort of how the characters portrayed. So I'm not like, I'm not worried about it. I'm sure it's going to be fun and great. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna swap around our order here just to keep it with the '90s antihero stuff. Uh, Michael Bay is reportedly in the running to direct a Lobo movie for DC Warner Brothers. Um, first of all, do we need a Lobo movie? Uh, isn't that character to me like I don't know him too well from the comics, but he just does seem kind of like a um, a psychic kind of character or kind of like a poor man's. Wolverine, Bishop, Cable kind of thing. And two, that really should be the character that Jason Momoa is playing. Because just to look at him and his kind of attitude and everything, like that to me seemed more like Momoa. Yeah, let's get rid of Aquaman and just make him Lobo. <laughs> You're right. He is a product like of the 90s of these like tough guy characters uh, who have like who are like incredibly he looks like over- the Undertaker. Yes, yeah. he's like incredibly overpowered. Uh, he's like pretty much invincible. He can go toe to toe with Superman. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, if for those people who have seen the Superman animated series, Lobo was a frequent, uh, reoccurring character in those, in those, in that show. And he was, he was hilarious. He was badass. And then underneath it all, even though he's a bounty hunter, he still had a code. And he's like, he calls himself, he's like the main man, you know, it's like the main man always stays true to his word. And so it's, if they can get it. totally Momoa. Yeah. If they can get it like quite, yeah, my man, right? Yeah. Uh, If they can kind of find that again and, and bring that to the movie, I think it could be like a cool, like surprise success. But I would really rather see him as a supporting character in like a Superman movie or another DC characters movie. Um, The idea of him getting his own movie just seems really weird to me yeah. because yeah we are stuck in this this weird phase where a lot of 90s extreme characters are coming out and getting their own movies yeah like venom as much as i love venom and i really do uh he's not like that great of a character and i feel like a lot even in the comics they're, they they struggle to find like good venom stories like there's a reason there's not an ongoing venom story that's been uh you know, ongoing venom series i should say uh, he always gets like it's it comes and stops and starts and gets like mini series and appearances and he's not a really like sustainable character with that really extreme attitude who, you know like kills people and what do you, stuff. What do you but, think about Michael Bay? Well, directly? so the problem with Michael Bay is that he's probably the precise way to get the absolute worst Lobo movie possible because yeah. <laughs> he will just lean into the extreme things and like the cool things he can do and you know and, and, and it's like the attitude like the it. bad attitude yeah super crude um, and I don't think. I think he'll go into what I was saying, like to kind of find like the heart and soul, like underneath it all. And I, I just don't really have a lot of optimism for him to, but his to do la- that. His last movie, 
Transformers: The Last Night was fantastic. What are you talking about? Couldn't We're gonna you get introduce Lobo movie. in Suicide Squad two or something? That's what have I was him thinking. be like the villain that they go up against, and then they're all like, you know what? We have more in common, and go after somebody else. Also, Tom's nose just grew uh, five inches. Yeah. Oh my God! If you yeah. guys couldn't tell, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> go watch the Transformers timeline. It's okay, video everybody and tell knows me. that they don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't. I, I think who do you cast as Lobo? I have a feeling it's going to be like a motion capture kind of deal, where you just get an actor who might have the right attitude, and then you just digitally augment them because isn't he like seven feet tall and yeah. like three hundred pounds of muscle? Yeah, like, he's a big guy. Unless he's Momoa or The Rock, who are already in the DC universe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who the hell you cast. Yeah, oh, I was wow. thinking about that. Yeah, because I it's so funny that you guys bring up Momoa. Like first my first thought was The Rock and my second thought was Momoa. So like <laughs> yeah. separate of the DCU of it all. So yeah, who the hell you know, do you get? The Hound the, from the, Go- Game of Thrones? Oh, that's not bad actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, The Rock has good. yet to appear as Black Adam in <laughs> yeah. any movies, so he would actually be able to I think find, you know, the the magic to make Lobo work. That Can he, he would wear actually his, be great. Uh, his Is it too Hercules late to move wig? him over? Can he wear his Hercules wig as Lobo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure somebody online has already taken that Hercules sort of image and put the Lobo kind of face on it. Um, Any final thoughts on Lobo and the Michael Bay of it all? Please, no. God, why? Stop. Michael Bay, come on. Do you think this movie's really going to happen? I mean, Guy Ritchie tried making it. So the, the choice in directors is definitely tell you the kind of the idea that they're going for there. They want something very kinetic, very loud, explodey, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I'm not excited for that at no. all. Yeah, apparently <laughs> no, the the no, budget no. for the proposed script is like 200 million plus. Yeah, and like, right. God, no one, no like one's happy about it. The, I think the discussion now is how to bring it down to actually get so it. That's going to be like the comic book movie equivalent of like Ishtar. Right. Oh know. my god, if they drop 200 million on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to another bit of DC movie news. This one, I'm a bit more. I don't know. I kind of like it, but. It's Joaquin Phoenix is reportedly uh, keen to play the Joker in Todd Phillips' movies, in Todd Phillips' standalone Joker movie. Now, I guess they have kind of a verbal agreement from him, according to Variety and the rap, but negotiations haven't actually started. So now it's about the money. And that's these things break down. Like he was approached about Doctor Strange, that didn't pan out. You know, he was approached about uh, a few other things in the past and it didn't pan out. Um, what do you guys th- – and Joaquin Phoenix was also Darren Aronofsky's choice for Batman in his year one movie that didn't happen. So now being approached for the Joker, what do you guys think about Joaquin as Joker? Well, well actually the first reaction I had was like, isn't this supposed to be a Joker origin movie? And, and I think the, it is. the Joker yeah. became the Joker a little earlier in his life. And Joaquin Phoenix is 43 and assuming he'll be playing a character around that age. That just kind of struck me as weird. I was like, this isn't like the Joker begins. This is like, you know, the Joker. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So I was in, in when they made the announcement that this movie was coming, uh, I thought like, yeah, they would do a killing joke type story. Uh, and but I don't really know how you do that without Batman and set it in the '80s. So yeah, I don't really know. What if it's like mostly? What if he's like you see him as Joker and he's in his 40s and they I don't know they could de-age him a little bit uh, and do like flashbacks? Yeah, to, to how like he became to the, the 80s Joker. when he's like you know early it's, 20s or something. Or, suppose, well, actually, 
you'd be like 16 if they were doing the 80s. Yeah, so. I, it's a huge question mark. I suppose that's Riddler iconography, but Yay. it's a huge question mark uh, to just how they're going to do this at all. That I, I can't. It's hard to really speak to any of that. But I will say, I do believe he could probably do a really cool Joker because yeah. he he's a person who transforms into his roles, always delivers really like uh, imposing, like sinister characters. Everyone remembers. Uh, Maximus from yeah. from Gladiator, Johnny Commodus. Cash, Commodus. Commodus, Commodus. Oh, Maximus is yeah, Russell my bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he he always does a good job. Yeah, with with Johnny Cash, he gets he got super into that role, and to yeah. to think of him doing that with the Joker is really cool. Uh, but I, again, I don't really know how how this story is gonna work. And, and I'm I, oh sorry, no, sorry. I don't know how I'm gonna feel about it. Yeah, and I'm less concerned. I'm actually less concerned about the story at this point because like clearly Scorsese's on board. Like they've got something interesting they're working on. So yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about Todd the story. Phillips yet. is a weird but possibly good pick well, for it because I think they're gonna go for. I think we've talked about this. Like they could be going for sort of a king of comedy kind of thing mm-hmm. where it's like. This guy, the struggling comedian who's like clearly unhinged and crosses a, a legal line and things go to hell, you know? Yeah, well, Todd Phillips, uh, for if you don't know, is best known for the Hangover movies and, and like old school. He's a comedy yeah. director. And I'm, and you guys know me, like I'm very much of the opinion that uh, comedy sort of filmmakers and actors are extremely well suited to these sort of deep, dark roles, um, just based on the fact that comedy. Is so um, is so a product of understanding how the sort of human mind works and how to sort of dance around that. So I mean, we're getting later this year. We're getting a Halloween movie written by Danny McBride and yeah. and David Gordon Green. So it's it's not so crazy to me that Todd Phillips is doing this movie and and attracting such an A list talent like Joaquin Phoenix there's to a, it. There's a dark underbelly to the um, uh, or a sort of a dark subtext to the hangover movies too like they're not i thought the second and third ones especially the third one were almost dramas with comedy in there like they were it got they were kind of bleak in their own way yeah you know? like and I, we also and it also reminds me of another like adam mckay for instance who did yeah. the anchorman movies also did like the big short which is an oscar nominated movie yeah that jay was, roach does all these political yeah it's films n- so people yeah. people worrying about todd phillips at the helm yeah. of this like don't worry about that i think the fact that scorsese's on it and him like it's a cool combination Wa- we're we gonna Joaquin get jonah Phoenix. hill as penguin oh my god yeah <laughs> he was I in wish. war dogs that was uh, i also todd phillips i think yeah yeah uh yes yeah miles teller as edward nigma we're casting the yeah, whole there Batman we go movie yeah or, yeah or the Joker phillips movie. verse we we should say that this is separate from the dc universe so jared leto is still technically joker jared leto is about the same age as joaquin phoenix and is kind of you know so it's a different thing this is a that dc films imprint so I don't know it's ballsy. They're they're gonna have these kind of um, like separate universes. Sort yeah, of. I mean it's kind of like they're doing what Marvel has been trying to collapse into, where there was a Sony Marvel and a Fox Marvel, and then the MCU Marvel, and now they're all kind of coming in under one banner because Disney's got that money. Right. Um, but like the DC stuff is almost splintering out in the same way, where it's even though it's all the same parent company. We're going to have these different realities, basically, which is interesting that they're kind of going like an Elseworlds route in a way. But I don't know. It's strange. I, you know. 
It's very, it's Doctor Strange. Yeah, no, I, again, it's, it's trying to like piece out like just how this is all going to work. And then what if it's a hit? Do you see Joaquin Phoenix as someone who's going to want to stay around for like, could you see him sticking around for like a Joker trilogy? <laughs> or what if they yeah, really, what if question. we love this and we want to see him fight Batman? Then, you know, do we, do, we, do you see him sticking around to do that? You know, they could t- take a, a page from another, um, I think, wasn't, uh, oh, no, no, I'm thinking of, um, what was it? I'll, uh, he did I'm Not There, but then there was the Bob Dylan movie that Heath Ledger and Christian Bale were in and yeah. Cate Blanchett, where all these different actors basically played Bob Dylan, well, like a fictionalized Bob Dylan at different points in their life. You could kind of do that That's with I'm Joker. That's I'm Not Here, isn't it? Or is that the I'm Joaquin not, Phoenix well, one? The, the I'm titles not, are so I'm similar. I'm Not There is, I think, or I'm Still Here or something is the yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, Casey Affleck one. And then, yeah. And then you guys know what I'm talking about. I know yes. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you're saying that, I'm if not they were there to, as the Bob Dylan movie. If they were to do that, if they yeah, if they really want to just do just a separate standalone Joker movie and have five different actors play him, like men, uh, women, people of different ages, that would be amazing. You know, that and that's cool. also in a weird way, not to get sort of meta, but weird about it. Like it's kind of a a Heath Ledger, Doctor Parnassus thing, where you know, like ended up having different actors playing what was supposed to be the same character at different points. But like you could, you because the Joker has said is his origin was multiple choice. So in a weird way, and his mind is so fractured, like you could kind of do that. Cast you, multiple people. Yeah. yeah that would could, be interesting. And everybody could have kind of fun and do their own spin on it. And I bet you that's one big reason why Joaquin can do it is they're saying, oh, it's a standalone movie. Don't worry. You're not sucked into a franchise for the next 10 years. And Jared Leto can be the one to have to, like carry that burden but also think about it like heath ledger had to follow jack nicholson jared leto had to follow heath ledger joaquin just has to follow jared leto <laughs> yeah so exactly. it's like he's Joaquin's got, got it easy. he's already yeah. halfway there like people yep. are just like well you're not doing you, you don't have damage on your forehead fine man i'm i'm on board Let's i see. am i am so hopeful though there's obviously a lot of sort of confusion as far as where the dceu is going just in terms of like the justice league of all matt yeah. reeves's batman movie that we still know nothing which could about. still be a separate imprint maybe exactly. that's part of the joker well that's working. what i'm hoping is that uh, maybe maybe they just decide like you know what we can have dceu batman over here and let's just go back to the sort of nolan model of a batman universe that's yep. just like its own thing and have jake gyllenhaal as batman joaquin phoenix as joker i will i will see that movie 10 yeah, times yeah that's badass and matt reeves directing like yeah. come on yeah bring let's it, just bring it right just back around to, to cloverfield what? directed by matt reeves what Yep, that's true. Yeah, no, I, I, hey, I love that. I, I think Joshua. I don't know. That was that was a dramatic sigh. No, what, what no, are your thoughts? I was, I was just saying, like, uh, now we filled your listeners' heads with all these things that aren't actually happening. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> these are like oh, our yeah. dream plans. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> promising our listeners things that we're not going to give them is just our bread and butter here yeah. at the IG. We used to <laughs> only do that with uh, listener emails, but we've changed our ways, and that's my idea of a segue nice. to nice. listener questions yes that's right uh you guys did a great job of getting your questions in for us so thank you uh the first one we're going to cover is from facebook uh jalen matthews asks uh kind of going back to cloverfield paradox do you think we'll see more of the and it's releasing tonight from other streaming services that release strategy this sort of uh what i call beyonceing uh, uh a project just um, dropping it I think, I mean, it totally depends on what that property is. If you're telling me there's a new 
I don't know. It, a new Zoe Deschanel comedy. Yeah, like it's not gonna. <laughs> it has to be something that is that people already previously interested in. Uh, if it's tied to something bigger, like a, a shared universe of some kind, cool. But yeah, I think um, I think it's a rare thing to try and duplicate. If they even try to do that with the, and, you know, not to go over this material too much again, but like. I'm not even sure if they could do that with another Cloverfield movie. I don't think if, that's what if he's that, getting at. I think yeah. he's talking about more in general. Do we think we're going to see more well, movies that are just Wolf, surprise though, released? Too. I mean, isn't that kind of how Netflix drops a lot of their TV shows to begin with? Like nobody knew. I, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody, but I, I don't think anyone was really paying attention to the OA. Uh, no, until I think that they dropped, were marked, you know? but I think they were like marketing it, but like the awareness sort of didn't come until after people had already seen it and started yeah. talking about it. But like with Cloverfield Paradox, it was mere hours between announcement and release. But also, too, like everybody was like, it gave people were already parked in front of their yes, TVs. That's true. And they were already sitting around eating. Nobody had evening plans, probably because you were probably half in the bag or in a food coma mm-hmm. or crying because your team lost. All three of those were true for me that day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll say this. Uh, I, I, I could see, yes, to answer your question, yes, I could see other studios thinking of that, saying, look how well it did for Cloverfield Paradox. Let's give that a shot. Let's do it with, with, with this movie we have, or this sequel. It'd probably be better, because then there's like a built-in fan audience who's excited for it. But the X factors they won't have is, uh, the you know, the mystery of uh, Cloverfield and that has like a big following of people who want to know and have been like watching these movies for a while and, and want to see what happens next. And also the J.J. Abrams factor is that anything with his name attached to it, people know what to expect from him. He's like the master of the mystery box, right? And and like Lost and stuff <laughs> and and even Star Trek, right? If he they know uh, once, uh, so J.J. Abrams can't afford to do something like that, to launch a movie with zero promotion, that scares the bejesus yeah. out of a lot of other people who make movies because they have to, you know, tell their, if you tell your investors, hey, we're going to launch this movie uh, with as, just a stunt, we're just releasing it, you know, a, a one day with no advertising, they're, the, they're going to, you know, be shaken in their boots. So I don't, I don't really know if any other studio can afford to do that. You know, what they could do with something like this, though, is um, like certain Jason Statham kind of movies, like, or or franchises that are, let's say, Underworld. They could do something like that where it's kind of diminishing, diminishing returns theatrically, um, at least domestically, or like the Transporter series. Um, you could do it with, uh, like, I'm surprised that Nicolas Cage in Netflix haven't just signed a deal. It, oh since he's God. doing yeah. all these movies that are kind of going in VOD anyways. Like he has one coming up called Drive Looking Glass. Drive Angry 2. Give yeah. us Drive Angry 2. <laughs> like he's got one called Looking Glass that's coming up that we debuted a clip from. And it actually looks interesting. Like he's just doing acting again. Like maybe maybe that's how you do it. You either – they're kind of doing it with Adam Sandler a bit. But like if there is a way to eventize – franchises that might not necessarily really open up at the box office anymore but have their fans yeah you would just have to cherry pick which one so maybe maybe that's a good route for like certain screen gems properties yeah. and stuff like that or i let's let's keep an eye on this mortal combat of... movie imagine oh, if they drop yeah. that like oh, come I on love that um, so yeah there let's you go built in audience yeah. yes but let's put it let's so they drop the cloverfield paradox trailer 
uh, during the Super Bowl and premiere it, you know, days later or hours later, rather. Um, it's something everybody had eyes on that day. You know, we say zero promotion. Uh, they dropped a trailer during the most watched TV event of the year. Yeah. So which it's is probably little. five million dollars just to do that, which is oh, a yeah. lunch tab for Netflix. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. So but I'm going to keep my eye on Comic-Con because I wonder if. I wonder if oh, this don't, gets don't anybody. Don't curse me, man. Don't I know we're to already going to be busy, right? <laughs> but I wonder if anybody's got an idea to be yeah, like, oh, maybe we just like. Can you so- imagine if Dark Tower had done that instead of trying to. Or and we mentioned Blair Witch. This is what yeah. Blair Witch should have done. Like yeah, Blair Witch should have announced because yeah, they announced. No, it was one year ago. Was it only one it was, year ago? It was the previous Comic Con. Oh it was my last Comic Con, I think, <laughs> I or know. maybe it was two years ago. No, no, no. I don't know. Everything it's is blurred into one exactly. long event at this point. But you're right. Yeah. But yeah. So like Blair Witch, Blair Witch would have worked so much better if they had been like, oh, remember that Woods movie that we've been promoting for a little while? It's actually Blair Witch, and you can go watch it right now. That it, would so screw up my party plans at Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> don't do that. To yeah. Me. Yeah. So I am. I'm. Let's you're keep on an eye to on Comic Con, dude. You. You yeah. really. Are. I think. I. Bet That's you, the next big thing that everyone's yeah. going to have eyes on. Oh my God, you're right. In terms uh, of our 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 fans and audience. So Jalen, really thank you very much right. for that. Uh, let's keep an eye out for surprise releases at Comic Con in a few months. Moving on to uh, Twitter, we have a question from Alex Klein at a robot's wink. Uh, what is one story? This is pretty. This is pretty open ended. What is one story you guys would like to see adapted into a movie? Could be a book, comic, real world event, or something made up. Anything. So, Jim, why don't we start with you? Uh, just because it just popped into my head, um, there's an author called uh, named George V. Higgins who was sort of Dennis Lehane before there was Dennis Lehane, and he was a Boston crime author. He was, I think he was like a prosecutor or a defense attorney in in Boston, and surprise, I'm from there. Uh, but they- What? Wait, I Jim, know, you're from news Boston? Flash, we're Why didn't you ever say anything? We're doing a full-on Boston episode next week. But no, the, the, he was sort of a groundbreaking kind of um, crime novelist. Uh, they actually have adapted a couple of his stuff into movies. There was- one called uh, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, which was actually filmed in my neighborhood in Boston. Uh, it starred Robert Mitchum and was really good, way ahead of its time. Total flop, though, back in the day. Um, and then another one which flopped, but is I thought was a good movie, but I think it got an F Cinema score, Killing Them Softly, yeah. Brad Pitt, the director of Chopper. Like, I liked that movie. But I think his stuff- Romanek? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. A- Andrew Dominic. Oh, Dominic. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah Mark Romanek and Andrew yeah, Dominic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. He's His stuff, I don't know. I so just something, into my something head. from him. And that could be like, that could actually be a good Netflix kind of series material where I don't think it's going to pack him into the movies because it's it's not branded enough, but it could be interesting. You know? Yeah. Okay. Joshua, how about you? Um, a couple things immediately popped into my head. I'm going to cheat a little by listing those before getting to my real one, but a, a uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender movie that's actually good. Yep. Uh, a Green Lantern movie that's actually good, but something that has not been done before. Well, I suppose this would be uh, kind of in that category as a, fanta- a Fantastic Four movie that's actually good, uh, based off one of the comics that got me into reading comics called Fantastic Four: Unthinkable. And the plot is that Doc- Doctor Doom has had it with he can't beat the Fantastic Four, so he goes to these demons in hell and makes a pact for ultimate magical power that will allow him to beat them with like the snap of his fingers. But the cost is that which he loves most. So it kind of digs under his skin to find out what he loves most. Turns out it's his ex-wife who's been in hiding for many years. He goes, he finds her, gives her a pendant, uh, 
that that she had always loved and uh, as as a memento of you know I'm sorry for everything and then also sorry for what it's about to do to you because she touches it and then all of her skin flies off her body and Ugh. forms around him in this new enchanted armor that's like stitched together with like runes all over it. That's pretty. Metal. And then he goes and he takes out the Fantastic Four. I won't say how they beat him. You should go read it. Fantastic wow. Four Unthinkable. Wow. But wouldn't that be a great Fantastic Four movie? Yeah, oh, to geez. see to see Doctor Doom like eviscerate his a significant other and yeah. like wear her I do her not want to see armor. another that origin story. I think they need to kind of go the Spidey route next yeah. time. Just like and just they're jump a team. right in. Yeah, <laughs> they're a, a space team. Uh, I, I will say um, if we're going to do a comic uh, thing at all or, or like kind of uh, any sort of science fiction fantasy stuff, uh, I would like... I would love in a perfect world to see, you know, how is it Boom that does all the crossovers like Planet of the Apes and Star Trek, and Planet yeah. of, Star Trek and Green Lantern. I, I would love to see some sort of like crossover thing like that. And now I guess with Disney owning Fox, you could probably do something like it's going to be Star Trek. But like, yeah, like you could kind of what if the Fantastic Four on a space mission end up on the Planet of the Apes or something like that. Like, I don't know. That they could be fight fun. fight or something. Uh, yeah. my, my dream adaptation, anyone that knows me knows that I harp about this all the time, is uh, Half-Life. Uh, getting a Half-Life movie. It's my very favorite game. Uh, it's probably outside of like Star Wars and a few other things. It's one of my very favorite franchises. Um, yeah, so, and that kind of actually leads into our next question from, uh, John Lampus or John Lamp Post, as we've called him in the past, at John Lampus on Twitter. Uh, what do you find to be the fatal flaw that prevents video game adaptations from being excellent films? Something we've talked about a little bit before, but I think probably it's worth, so let's, let's pick one thing that we think that video game movies always screw up historically. You know, it's it's tough for me to boil it down too much because I am not an active gamer. I played when I was younger, uh, but by virtue of working in IGN, I'm like I understand uh, enough about the properties. And I, I I will say the one thing, just as an observer of them, uh, of video games in general, is that I feel like they're too oftentimes too derivative of movies to begin with, and so I don't know if you can necessarily make a movie out of something that's already a pastiche of all these other movies and and then you're taking the fun part out of it, out of it by making you a passive observer so i would say the one thing that video game movies uh what was it again that w- what's their fatal flaw what's the one thing they keep doing wrong yeah what is the, the what's the fatal flaw that keeps them from you're being you're not excellent. invested in characters okay and any good movie you have to care about the people in it and i've yet to see a video game movie where I really cared about the characters. All right, Joshua. Well, when I think of the good ones, I think of uh, Mortal Kombat, which had a very likable cast, you know, thrust into this craziness. Uh, I think of Tomb Raider, you know, which had her going on this this very personal mission all about like, her father and everything. Uh, and and uh, so I feel like, but the thing that makes most of them bad, gosh, if I had to, there's there are there's like a laundry list of many things. But I actually think before I answer this, I think video games are going to be the next like 
Marvel comic books of where no one really knew how to crack a superhero movie. And then Marvel really figured it out and look at us now. Uh, they've taken over Hollywood. So I think video games are the next industry to someone will figure it out, like the magic formula, and st- they'll pick like a Zelda or something, or maybe even Overwatch, something newer. That and animated find, Mario movie, man. Yeah, they'll like they'll find sort of like the the, the missing link and put it together, eh, and link. then and then yeah. hey, there you go. <laughs> um, and then yeah, but uh, as far as what I think I think it is yeah, kind of what Jim said is that there's there's something even without playing it, there's something that's appealing about video games, and it's really understanding. At, at the heart of what the video game is like what not necessarily being sometimes i think they're too slavish to what the video game was and you really need to find the heart like in tomb raider it was the sense of adventure and a personal mission that goes along with that adventure right of this of this woman who um it doesn't like her upbringing and like, you're talking about the angelina jolie yes ones. we yes, haven't yes. seen yes the alicia vikander one. yeah but uh th- so that was just i watched that recently so it's a little fresh in my mind um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like that you need to find whatever the heart of, of it is and then make that the movie and not try to make all the, the, the weird fun things about the video game and make that the movie. I think that was the downfall of world of Warcraft. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I kind of come back to what Jim, what Jim says a little, a lot is character and just, uh, I think an assumption that recreating the sort of iconic looks and feels and sort of moments of a game is enough to make it a good movie and it's just a that's just not the right thinking about it you do need to sort of go back and figure out how do i how do we make this a movie and not just a filmed video game yeah like assassin's creed should have been great they the, the quality of there. yeah the quality of people involved in that was the best of i that of any video game movie I can remember. And the movie was insufferable in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a shame because it's like, I'm, I can't tell you how many times I've had this exact same conversation oh, in the yeah. years of working here of like, this could be the one. And it's like, it's like coming from a town with a sports team that like never wins, but this could be the year. Well, that used we to be grew, us. Yeah, we grew up in New England. We <laughs> yeah. know what that's like. Yeah. And uh, well, <laughs> we'll, get it. we'll get our we'll get our 2004 Red Sox. I don't think it's going to be the new Tomb Raider, but it will yeah. be something. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for your questions, <laughs> and we are going to move into the the sort of final stretch of the episode, which is our. Uh, part where we talk about what movie we watched last. That was an awesome intro, wasn't it? I guess we should have talked about Cloverfield Paradox now then, instead of earlier. Is that the first movie? Is uh, that the last I'm movie trying to remember what was the last one I, I, I saw. I, what do you guys go first? I'm... My the last movie I watched was Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F. Ah yes, because Dragon Ball Fighters or Fighter Z, I think it's Fighters. It's fighters, yeah, yeah. Uh, came out, and so there, of course, there's this like rush to like want yep. to get caught up on Dragon Ball a little bit and find out who all these new characters are. And then my friend uh, Zach, he uh, shout out to Zach if you listen to this. I, I know he's a fan. He might be listening. Um, he uh, he he was like, you sh- need to watch the Dragon Ball Z. Shadow of Battle of the Gods, then Resurrection F, then you can jump into the Dragon Ball Super Show, uh, and like 50 episodes in to get to the Goku Black arc. Um, and so these these movies are essentially just recaps of the first season, the second season of the show. So I was like, wow, that's that's a way to double dip and make some money. And it's the other way around, right? Did well, I say it backwards? Yeah, yeah. Like the, the movies first came se- first, and then the yeah, Super so- Season One or Two are. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all yeah. So, and it was actually half of it was really good, and half of it was terrible. Um, the the first half was it had something I'd never seen in Dragon Ball before, which was Frieza comes, and there's like 
like a thousand you know, fighters who have to be who attack Earth, and then just you know all the supporting characters of Dragon Ball Z have to stop them. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I've never seen this before. But then of course Goku and Vegeta show up to fight Frieza, and it does the you know let me reach my ultimate form, and you'll be sorry once I do. And yeah, I was kind of meh after that. Yeah, so not a not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'd recommend it. I guess if you want to get caught up on Dragon Ball, you have to watch it though. But couldn't you just watch uh, Dragon Ball Super season one and get it? Uh, you two, could, whichever. but then you have to have that same uh, mediocre experience stretched over an entire season. True. Ooh, <laughs> man, that's a tough, tough pick. Uh, mine, last night, uh, just on a whim, uh, I, I realized I had never seen Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, wow. So I went back and watched that. And you know what? Like, it's it's not as good as the first one, like, obviously. And it's very, there's some very dated humor in it, uh, some sort of tone deaf stuff. Uh, but on the whole, in terms of just what it does as a sequel to the first Bill and Ted, I thought it was very fun and interesting. All the, you know, they go to like the underworld and they have to fight their way out. It's, they have to beat death and all that stuff. William Sadler plays the Grim we- Grim Reaper. The Grim <laughs> Weeper, what's that? Uh, so yeah, I watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and I had a good time with it. It was a good, I, I truthfully, I was, I kind of had it on in the background while I was playing Dragon Ball Fighters. So, uh, you know, I didn't pay all the attention I could have to it, but uh, it was it was fun. Uh, Jim, have you, have um, you realized? I can. Uh, I actually, yeah, because um, I see a lot of movies early and I can't talk about them. But um, I'm going to give you a, a, a dual answer here. Uh, one, tune into next week. We're, we're, we're doing back-to-back episodes because next week we're going to talk about Black Panther. Um, I, my review is up on the site and, uh, uh, I, I love the movie. Uh, we'll talk about uh, full spoilers next week, but I will say one movie I was catching up on some of the Oscar nominated films. Um, and I saw Lady Bird. Oh yeah. How is it? Uh, I liked it. I think it's overrated. I think, um, uh, I get some of the pushback on the movie. It's basically white girl problems. The movie, like it's, it, she doesn't really change throughout the movie. Like she kind of has a realization about her mom, but it's not really like. I, I thought she was one of the lesser, in, uh, le- least interesting characters in Lady Bird. But I, I love Saoirse Ronan in it. But I think it's um. It's it's set in 2001, and it does feel like the kind of indie movie that would have come out in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know. Um, but I get its appeal to some people. To like, I think it. I, I think the largest block of people kind of praising the movie are uh, white women in their 30s. And I think the and movie, me. yeah, and Joshua. yeah, like I liked it a lot. I did, um, and I, I, I loved. Uh, I think Saoirse Ronan is one of the best actresses She's of great. her generation. But I think the movie might be a little overrated. I, I, know, I, I really liked it. liked it. I suppose also for me, because uh, it takes place in yeah early 2000s it's 2001 2001 months after and 9/11. it's yeah just right after 9-11 and i was that age like in high school when that happened yeah so i feel very much like i feel like yeah that she's kind of living my life kind of some of the conversations yeah. right that i might have had um with less craziness because she's she's a nutcase <laughs> at times uh Wait, you but never I, threw I, yourself out of a car no not uh, not no. yet um well, but, it's a friday but, Josh, but i will say I, I did really enjoy the film uh maybe yeah maybe not best picture but definitely one of the best of the year yeah. definitely for sure i think it deserves that praise um but uh and and then i thought the end had such 
a uh, like a, a like a blunt emotional it's such a blunt emotional impact on me that it's a movie that stayed with me mm. long after i left the theater and that's always how i know it's it was a really good movie oh that's yeah great. i will say uh, regarding sir sharona and this is like a little like one last little newsy bit uh right right at the end here but like they're making a kim possible movie a live action kim possible movie disney uh I think Saoirse Ronan would be a pretty cool pick for Kim Possible. Like Ooh. like a female Ethan Hunt, like a young Ethan Hunt. That that's was Hannah. So, you got to see Hannah. That's Did you ever right. See I still it? haven't she seen was Hannah. Hannah. So yeah, maybe, that's yeah. basically, well, I mean, not many people saw Hannah. And right. so, and she was great in it. So to get to see her kind of do it maybe in something that might get more asses in seats. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank Joshua and Tom for uh, for joining me this week. Happy National Pizza Day. Yeah. Yes. And uh, uh, follow them on Twitter at, at Joshua Yell. Yeah. At Tom underscore Jorgensen. Yeah. Follow me at, at Jim Vavita. Uh, send us your thoughts at movies at IGN.com. Give a shout out to us on our fans' Facebook page, the IGN Movies Podcast page. And then uh, any questions or comments to us on Twitter at at uh, hashtag IGN Movies Podcast, right, John, uh, Tom? That is always right every time right. you say it correctly. All right, well, that'll do it for this week's show. Thanks as always, and we'll see y'all next time. <laughs>